This is another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. For people who are never in a bad mood, everyone else is just annoying. And I'm your host, Sydney. Let's dive into what's getting under our skin this week. Okay, you guys, what is up? And welcome back to another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. You guys, it's been a while since I have recorded an episode, but you know, life is lifing. Uh, We'll get into that. Uh, I hope everybody's having a good fall. I cannot believe it is already November and we are literally one month out from closing the year but just hang in there y'all hang in there we go see it through uh as always I'm your host Sydney sharing the latest and greatest in the news of what has gotten on my nerves um I'm happy to be joined by a guest and this is somebody who I have been interested in having on for a while I am super excited to be joined by Rashida of the Grieving Mamas podcast um I love their podcast uh both Rashida and her co-host Kara they discuss their own grieving journeys and they have additional guests that come on and talk through this and I really love it because you know grief is a natural part of life so to be having a conversation about how natural it is to go through the motions to experience loss is something that I feel like the world needs more of but I'm not going to take up too much time Rashida do you want to give a quick introduction Yes, yes. I'm so, so happy to be here. Um, Like you said, it has taken us a minute to connect on this for a time that worked for us because life be lifing. Mm -hmm. I am a mom of two and I work full time in addition to um, doing my podcast. And so I have just been fall is so crazy. It's so like, I, it's the end of the year. You're trying to jam in so many things and you're also trying to like do all the fun fall activities, like drink your pumpkin spice latte and like all those basic girl things we love. And I just, yeah, it just fall is insane. Fall is insane. But again, you guys, I am super excited to be joined by Rashida. Um, We are going to jump right into it, but starting off with the first segment of the show, we have a fed up or fucked up. So you guys, for all my new listeners, this is the segment of the show where you really get to know my guests better because what better way to know somebody than what gets under their skin? So me and Rashida had a quick chat before. So do you want to start off? Yes, I am ready. I am so, so ready. I have to say, I love this as a start off to the segment. It's so funny. Um, so I would say my fed up, fucked up both thing for this week is I have two children. They are four and two and they're not sleeping through the night anymore. Like they did. They did. They were both good sleepers and Ooh. we, we lost control of my four-year-olds. Like he, he started, like it started where he was like, I can't sleep with my door closed. Okay, fine. Then it was mm-hmm. like, I can't sleep with the lights off. Okay, cool. Then it was, I can't sleep with um the, the bathroom light off. Okay, fine. So now we're sleeping. We're going to sleep at night with every effing light on in our house. <laughs> and then it became like, I can't sleep at all in my room. And so oh, wow. he sleeps. Yes. So he sleeps in a sleeping bag on our floor because I was just like, you ain't going to sleep in my bed. So you can sleep on this sleeping bag on this floor where you can sleep in your nice comfy bed. I bought you. He chooses the sleeping bag. Okay, fine. So we were like, at least our baby girl is still sleeping. We can rock with this. And as of like a week ago, she's also not sleeping. So. Oh, I, I don't, I don't know what it is about the fall, but I feel like everybody's sleep gets thrown off like somehow, some way. Yes. Maybe it's like the stupid daylight savings time, but I am just like, good grief. Like I need to sleep. Like I can't, I am like, it's fine for one night, but like night after night, after night, after night, I just like, I don't, why did I have kids again? Please remind me why Lord remind me why I had kids again. Cause I'm tired. She's tired. And, She's and tired. with the two-year-old, is she like 
just waking up in the middle of the night and whining or is she wanting to be like in the bed with you all as well? She is wanting to be in the bed with me. She is screaming. Mm. Like she is screaming like, mommy, daddy, I need your bed. And so like it used to be where we could at least get her to go to sleep in her crib and she would mm-hmm. wake up in the middle of the night. We can't even get her to go to sleep in her crib right now. So she is tired. Oh my gosh. She is <laughs> around her kids all day. And I will be the first to say, I love my kids. I really, really do. I also love breaks for my kids. Respect that. I respect that. I need a break yeah. for myself sometimes. So I get yeah. it. I can, yeah. I can only imagine having these two little people that depend on you that are your responsibility. And you like, mm-hmm. look, if I could just get a full eight hours, we I might, I might do- be able to work with it. But yes, we can buy, but we can do it. We can play all the games, all those things, but you can't have both. You can't have mommy who plays all the games and mommy who doesn't sleep. It don't work that way. I remember when I was younger, when I, I used to kind of be like a finicky sleeper. Like I was a kid who was afraid of the dark for a period of time. Um, but I remember, I think I got over being afraid of the dark because I was like, oh, mommy, like, mama, I'm scared. Like I'm scared to sleep in a bed by myself. Can I sleep in a bed with you? And she's like, okay, Sydney, you can sleep in a bed with me, but in the morning, you're going to have to help me make up my bed and make up your bed. And that for some reason I was like, oh, so I'm gonna have to, mm, I'm just mm, that's too many chores. Yeah. Whoever, yeah, whoever's up under my bed or whoever I imagine is in a room with me, we just got to figure it out. And that quickly <laughs> stopped me from being a whiny bed person. But I don't know. I feel like I hear that from a lot of parents of kids, like either starting off with really good sleep schedules and then something throwing them off or them having like a very, very, very hard time with sleep training. Yes. To both. <laughs> um, think about yours. Mine. Yeah. What's so, yours for the week? So I think mine fits into the realm of this week's topic, but my fed up or fucked up is grieving a relationship. Um, Mm. So I've recently gone through a breakup and, you know, Mm -hmm. throughout that whole process, so many different emotions have come up and I feel like I'm a person who I've moved past things fairly quickly. Like I don't like to just sit and wallow and whine, but It's crazy when you're grieving a relationship because the person is very much so still alive, but Mm -hmm. you know, whatever you guys had going before, like that's not a thing. Mm -hmm. And so therefore you're going through this, like this, this feeling of loss and Mm -hmm. all of these other emotions, but it's like, oh my gosh, did this have to happen? Like, it's yeah. so it's 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 a very interesting thing. And I've even been looking into it more. Um, I've been in therapy for a while, like even prior yes. to the breakup. Yes, queen. Yes. So even with my therapist and stuff, she was like, yeah, you know, when you go through a breakup, it is very much like grieving. You are going to go through it is a grieving process. those mm-hmm. five stages of loss, denial, resentment, anger and mm-hmm. so forth. Mm-hmm. And I was just like what like I would have never thought before like I've dated people in the past and it's not worked out but I felt like this has been a little bit different um Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more intense me and my ex did not end on good terms whatsoever Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. again it's just like all of these emotions are coming up and me just wanting to be more of a logical person like when I talk with my friends they're like that's normal I'm like is this normal they're like Mm -hmm. yes and I'm like Mm -hmm. So I can't, I can't right now, you know, and I think actually, so I define grief Mm -hmm. as any, any loss of the way you thought something was going to be. So like any loss of like, of a dream of what you thought your life was going to be. If you didn't get a job that you were like, this is my dream job or, or you Mm -hmm. get your dream job and you realize it's not your dream job. Like, so I think Mm -hmm. it is, I think you can grieve a whole lot of things. And I think Mm -hmm. in some ways a breakup is, it is a a hard grief because it's the person is still alive. Like there's no, there's no like finite end, right? Like, so like someone dies and you work your way through the stages of grief and you, you are like, I clearly can't get that person back. Mm -hmm. 
when you break up with someone, there's always, I feel like you loved that person at one point. Right. And so like, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's always just going to be a little piece that wants to like overcorrect whatever it was that made you break up. Mm -hmm. And and like almost romanticize them, which then makes you like have hope that you're going to be back together, even though you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's the it's the thing of this person still being there. And two, mm-hmm. with them being there, it's like you have all of these other possibilities established in your mind of like what it could be, how you could fix it, how you can do mm-hmm. this. And I know me personally, I am a big big overthinker so Mm -hmm. even now it's just been again getting out of my head more into my body listening to my body like I know Mm -hmm. even for a while I have a great relationship so I have great relationships with my friends and my family so they they've always been supportive no matter what I've gone through so this was Mm -hmm. no different but even then I kind of felt myself running on e at times because I would be mm-hmm. like okay I'm just gonna hang out with them I'm gonna do this and I was like okay Sydney now you're starting to overcompensate because now you're even more drained and tired because mm-hmm. you're trying to do much more than you usually would do just because mm-hmm. you're like I'm not ready to sit by myself and process this I'm so. not ready to feel these feelings yeah and so I had to even get over that and it's been better Cause I can definitely be like, you know what? I'm just going to stay in this weekend. No, I'm mm-hmm. going to pass it doing this. Um, but yeah, it's still very much a process. Yes. Yes, it is. Grief. Grief is a journey, my friend, as you know, <laughs> it is, it's something else, but you guys segueing perfectly into our next segment, we have the make it make sense segment. So as I shared before, Rashida's podcast, The Grieving Moms Podcast, um, on her platform, her and her co-host, they discuss grief um, and their own experiences with it. Mm-hmm. And I know, Rashida, you are a motherless mom, mm-hmm. um, and which is like your claim. And um, even then, you talk about your mom passing away at the mm-hmm. age of 15 and has been over like 16 years since her mm-hmm. passing and just thinking about like parental figures and relationships with parents that's something that is always going to affect you mm-hmm. both like positively and negatively um I am a person who is also I've also experienced parental loss um I don't even know if I discussed it on the podcast before so this is interesting like even bringing in this dynamic but my father passed when I was 11 years old um we also had a fairly close relationship and it was Mm -hmm. very unexpected um Mm -hmm. however I have noticed the older I've gotten the more I've had to process it and think back upon it so Rashida do you want to share more about like your journey or about your mother's passing if you feel comfortable yes totally well of course I feel comfortable I have a whole dang (laughs) podcast about um talking about grief but I think I think what you said is correct like so you grow I think but right before we got on got on you said this too like you're you don't get rid of your grief you kind of grow into it it becomes a mm-hmm. part of who you are um and I think for so long I did so I lost my mom when I was 15 like you said um and I back then there wasn't a lot of this was 2005 mind you um telling my age uh but th- there wasn't a whole lot of talk about one grief at all mm-hmm. two uh, black people in grief, three, like black people in therapy. Like, so there was a whole, I feel, I feel like there's a whole level of awareness in grief now than there was when I was going through in the first pieces of it. And so truly my story is, is essentially that. So my mom passed away when I was 15. I am, um, an overachiever probably to, to the worst. Um, and I know that my default. So when I'm feeling what I do, like you said, when you're to keep myself from feeling any feelings, what I do is do like, I give myself, like I have goals. I have this, I give myself all of these things to do. Um, Mm -hmm. and I just essentially keep myself busy to keep myself from feeling a feeling. And so not knowing this, because again, I didn't have therapy at 15. Um, so not knowing that my mom passes away and I just immediately start doing all of the things that I need to 
do to, to graduate high school at this point. So I'm, I'm in all the clubs, I'm, I'm doing all the things, I'm getting all the grades, I'm taking the ACT, I'm applying to colleges, all these things. I get into college and then college becomes the same thing. Like you're doing all the things, you're joining clubs, you're trying to get the internship, you're doing all these things. And so it wasn't until I graduated from college that I like, and I had a job that I had, that I like finally sat down and was like, wait, I'm fucking pissed. Like I'm real pissed. Like I'm angry. Like I am, I am a girl in the world without her mom. And so I then immediately, mm-hmm. um, started going to therapy and actually also started taking Zoloft. I will always be a person who has to attack my mental health on two fronts, like that three fronts, if you include exercise. Um, like I will just always be a person who that's, I'm, a, I'm not ashamed of that, but like to, to come to cope with things and to, to come to terms with my grief, it took, it took both meds and therapy. Um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, so I, I have seen a therapist, uh, I would say on and off since then. And that was about 10 years ago, but I've been with my current therapist, um, for six years, maybe seven. Oh, wow. wow. It's been a while. Yeah. 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 Um, and because I, so I started to see him because in the decision to, to start talking about kids, um, and wanting to do that with my partner, we, I was just like, well, I'm going to, I need, I have so much unresolved grief still. And I am terrified to become a mom without my mom that I, I need to, I need to go back to therapy and work this through. And so Mm -hmm. I've learned, this is, this is truly how I learned that grief is not linear. Like it is not, uh, there are stages, there are, this is, this is why I would call them stages of grief and not grief and not necessarily steps. Um, because it doesn't work like that. You don't, you don't experience them and then never experience the other. It's like truly a cycle. And I've learned that as I'm getting older, the grief becomes it's still there, but it becomes a little different and I'm experiencing it in different ways. Mm-hmm. 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 And I was going to say too, even I know when I went back and I listened to your episode on the podcast where you spoke about your experience, I felt like we had a lot of similarities just because my dad was only 37 mm-hmm. when he passed mm-hmm. and he had also had some health issues and he hadn't really taken care of himself. Mm-hmm. And so he checked himself into a hospital and unfortunately, some other things happened and he never checked out. So it was Mm -hmm. super duper unexpected for Mm -hmm. my family. And I think too, one of the things that came into play is again, you were 15, I was 11. Being that young and dealing with grief and loss is so different because Mm -hmm. I feel like as you get older, you have more experiences and not to say loss at an older age cannot hurt as much, but like Mm -hmm. That was truly my first, I feel like, moment with grief. Like I had Mm -hmm. had an uncle, I believe, pass shortly before, but his health was declining. He was older. Mm -hmm. So I kind of was like, oh, well, he's he's been older, like he's lived his life. And even then, those are things that my family would kind kind of say to me, like, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to experience him um, when he was much older, but he still loved you and cared about you. So it Mm -hmm. felt different. Whereas with my dad, I was like, wait a minute. Like my dad's not even older. He hadn't been sick. So Mm -hmm. it was very confusing. And even with how I remember when it happened, like my family, again, my family's pretty close knit. Um, my dad was an only child, but even like the day it happened, I remember, coming home from school and my grandfather being at the school bus stop to pick me up. And I was like, that's odd. Like my grandpa never, I see my grandpa, but he never picks me up from school. And then we went Mm. to my house Mm -hmm. and it was like all of these cars Uh. and all of these people. And I'm like, what is going on? So that's when I came in the house and they kind of set me down and they told me, but like, I can think about that moment of them making me aware of what happened, but the days after Mm-hmm. very much a blur and even how you said like you were out of school for like a week and you just went back that's what it felt like like okay I'm out of school for these days but now I'm back and it's just like mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep moving through school and I never really had any sort of like lashing out or instances of like Neither being did I. upset or angry so Again, I cannot really think back exactly to those moments, but it was still a matter of like, 
I'm still a kid. Like I feel like how children experience grief, mm-hmm. even in itself, that's something like even how you mentioned with black families, the black experience with grief is very different. So to mm-hmm. uh, uh, put a child in that scenario as well, it's kind of like mm-hmm. crazy when you like reflect and think back on it. Yes. Yes. And I remember being told so many times that I was so strong, that the way I was dealing with it was so like, Mm -hmm. I was a strong person and blah, blah, blah. And then like later on in life, I saw this quote that was like, you don't know how strong you are until it's the only choice you have. Like it, what, like, what was I supposed to do? Like I had no other choice. Like I was, I was my mom's daughter. She raised me to be a strong, intelligent, independent black woman. And so I did what I was taught to do. And Mm -hmm. so now it actually bothers me when someone says that someone is strong because I'm just like, that's not, it's not really helpful. (laughs) It's, it's not helpful. And if anything is like, you're not acknowledging the fact that this person is still hurting, no matter what type of face this person may put on. Mm-hmm. If you know somebody and you know their relationship with whomever passed, then you know that this is going to impact them in some way or somehow. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not even a matter of being like, oh, you're so strong. You're just moving through. You're getting things done. It's a matter of like, hey, you know, I actually want to check in with you because I notice you you have been very compliant and complacent and you're just going mm-hmm. on. Like, I want you to know that it is okay for you to not be okay. And people don't say that. Yes. We always say that on the podcast. Like it's okay to not be okay. Like it's okay to fall apart. Like, and when Mm -hmm. you tell somebody, when you compliment them, especially so early on for being so strong, you almost pigeonhole them into them being like, well, that's all I have to be now. Like you almost put the pressure on them to not fall apart. And I think Kara and I um, always say on our podcast, feel your feels. And like, you can't, if you're putting the pressure on someone to stay strong, like you're almost robbing them of the opportunity to feel their feels. And that's the only way you can even get your arms around the grief. Yes, yes, yes. And, and two, everybody is going to have like different reactions to different things. Like, mm-hmm. like you said before, you shouldn't pigeonhole somebody to one emotion. Cause if anything, that person is going to be even more strenuous. Like, well, this is the only way I can act. Like if Mm -hmm. I lashed out once, then that's what all they're going to expect from me. Like I can't Mm -hmm. do anything different. I can't go about this any different way. And I mean, even now, like as an adult and moving through a space of healing, it's been interesting to even see like those moments or reflect on those moments where I feel like grief hits me a little bit harder then mm-hmm. before, because I know you said like went on through high school, still a part of club, still being a, a great mm-hmm. student, going to college, internships, like all of these other pressures that you put on yourself, like you had kind of brushed past. And I feel like I kind of did it the same way. But again, mm-hmm. as I've gotten older, I've noticed me reflecting on more moments where I was like, hmm, I wish my dad was here. Like I graduated. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, oh yeah, wait a minute. When I graduated from high school, I had all of these other different achievements and so forth. I kind of brushed it off. But it's like, Mm -hmm. I guess the older you get, I'm a person who at least I can speak for myself. I've become more in tune with my emotions. Yes. Oh yes. And I think I'm, I am a very self-aware person. Thanks by like by the grace of therapy. Right. And mm-hmm. so like I, I, the older I've gotten, the more into my grief journey I've gotten. And especially since I've had kids, cause I will say I having kids has opened up like almost different paths of my grief journey that I didn't mm-hmm. even recognize were that I wasn't aware were going to be things. And so like, mm-hmm. I miss my mom for me, but I also now miss her for my children, like oh, for, wow. for the love that like, they've, or for what they're never going to get, like from Mm -hmm. my mom, that they never get to see that. And then most recently I have been grieving. I'm calling, I call it re-grief. I'm grieving almost for my mom, like not Mm. because she's gone, but like, I am grieving the life she herself is missing. And I feel, I feel just like awful that like I she is it here to see this but it's it's like a a grief outside of myself it's such a strange phenomenon Mm -hmm. um and so like I'm just learning that 
grief, my grief, I think at this point I've accepted that my grief is going to continue to morph with me. It's like a bag that I carry around and every once in a while, I don't want that bag anymore. I get a new bag. Like, you know, like it's, it is like a a thing that I carry around and it changes with the circumstances of my life. Like I know I am, Mm -hmm. um, my mom died of a heart attack and just recently I have, my husband and I were like, okay, well, like you died, like your mom died of a heart attack. Your dad had, has had heart issues too. Like we should probably start checking out the heart situation on myself. Right. So I should start be, I should, Mm -hmm. um, go see a cardiologist and like, make sure everything's okay. And I just, the process of that, like something my mom never did in heart disease runs Mm -hmm. in my family. It's like, just the process of that has brought up a whole nother layer of grief of like, I'm doing this because I am approaching an age where my mom passed away. So like, I need to do Mm -hmm. this because I want to be around for my kids or like, just be so like, and so I go, I do the heart stuff. And this is like super recent, like weeks ago. Um, so I do the heart stuff and it comes back that like, my heart is perfectly fine. Like I had, like, mm. it was like risk assessment, extremely low. Like the, oh, the wow. risk of this person having a heart attack or any cardiac event is like super low. And that unleashed a different level of grief too, because in a way I'm like, yeah, I'm doing this. Like I'm doing it well. And I know that I've made, I made, have made different health choices than my mom did. So like my mom was a smoker. I've never smoked. Like my mom wasn't very active. I run, I've ran half marathons. I walk, I work out five times a week. And so we are leading very different lives, but it's still hard to like not compare who we are as people or who we were, who she was and who I am. Just As because the journey, the journey is always going to be different, but yeah, it's still you having that consciousness of like, it's almost like an anxiety. Cause you're like, I, I don't want it to happen to me. Right. And at the same time, it's like, my mom couldn't have known that this would be what would literally. Her, right. Yes. Yes. And like, she wouldn't have chosen to leave us, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, it's all, it's all this weird becoming a mom has like brought up different griefs Mm -hmm. in different ways, but I learned to wear them. And I too, I, I, it's interesting how you even mentioned, you know, approaching the age that your mother was when she passed away. Like even Mm -hmm. that is something that I feel like I've heard about older people talking about, even with friends, like I had a friend who um, passed away in, uh, oh my gosh, when was it? Was it 2018 or 2019? I had just graduated college and come home, but this was a friend from high school that passed. Mm -hmm. And even with that, like, I remember one day me and my friends like talking about stuff and like how his birthday had come up. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like I've made it past an age that this person won't even see like even Mm -hmm. that stage Mm -hmm. of grief is kind of hard because you kind of feel guilty oh yeah in a way of like oh yeah again this is these are things that are very uncontrollable and that you can't do anything about but it's still just Mm -hmm. like oh my gosh like you do grief is so encompassing of so many different areas of your life when you just look Mm -hmm. back on the person who passed away regardless of the circumstances Yes. And I think we as a society, we as a society make our, make us feel like grief is a thing you experience and pack away. And nobody is talking about how it is a lifelong thing. And it doesn't always have to be this negative, sad, woe is me. So like, that's one of the things I really like about Kara and I's podcast is like, Mm -hmm. We, we also just kind of keep it real. Like there's giggling. There's like, we laugh a lot. Like there Mm -hmm. is, there is joy in the journey too. And I also think motherhood has taught me that, like Mm. that there is, you can be both. It's not one or the other. You can be like grateful for the life your person lived, but really fucking pissed off that they're not even here. You can Mm -hmm. be really Mm -hmm. fucking pissed off that they're not even here, but grateful for the life you currently have in spite of them not being here. Like you can be mm-hmm. both. And I, I definitely can see that. Cause that's how, and I think that was maybe one of the factors as to just thinking about myself with my own father's passing. Like we mm-hmm. still had a really good relationship. Like I was very close to my dad. Mm-hmm. I got to spend time with him. I got to see him. Like, I don't think there was a lot of our 
life together, even our relationship where I was like, oh my God, I resent my dad or he doesn't take Mm -hmm. care of me or anything like that. So I feel like that kind of lessened the burden. Um, Even with my great grandmother, uh, I had a close relationship with one of my great grandmothers and she passed away when she was like, 97 she lived a very very full life so my grandma passed passed away at 96 too yep (laughs) and when she passed I was like I'm sad and I have grief but she lived her life even Mm -hmm. leading up to her passing she was still very healthy she could talk Mm -hmm. she would tell us different things she had always told me stories and been a part of my life so I just saw it as like okay our time together has ended. And even then, in a way, I always feel like she watches over me Mm because there are so many little different occurrences that happen. But I feel like even with that, again, grief, like you said, it's just, like you said, society really does put a negative connotation on it Mm -hmm. so much that it gets like, kind of like murky for so many people because so many Mm -hmm. people think, oh, I have to feel this way. Mm-hmm. about this person passing and that's the only way like I have to be sad or if our relationship wasn't good I have to be angry I have to beat mm-hmm. myself up and it's like no that's not how you go about it and even I was going to ask you too um I like how you mentioned just the black experience how do you feel that grief differs for black people and within like black culture yeah I feel like it is it is frowned upon to get help outside of yourself and like God, like, I feel like it's, it is very much like, like pray to God. Won't he do it? He will Mm -hmm. fix it. They are in their arms, like that kind of thing. And my, I don't, I don't, what that teaches you then is to like, not feel your feelings. So then Mm -hmm. you're still just putting them on, you're putting them in a back burner and hoping Mm-hmm. that God will make you feel better. And that's not a, I'm not a deeply religious person, but I do believe in God and heaven and things mm-hmm. like that. But like, I couldn't recite the Bible at all, <laughs> but I, I believe, I believe in heaven because I, I have to believe that my mom is watching over me. Like I have to believe like that's part of mm-hmm. call it what you may, but that's part of my healing journey is, is knowing that she still gets to see this life that I have created for myself and my babies and my husband and like this world. So I need to see that. But I think that I like just posted a reel on our, uh, grieving mama's club Instagram. That's just like shit people say. Cause we did an episode. It's like the shit you shouldn't say to somebody Mm -hmm. grieving. And I, the, the whole, like the Lord needed her more. Nothing pisses me off more than that because I am like, I, 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 you like uh, I'm I'm her child. Why would why would I not need her more? Like why yeah, would I I'm not? Like, you think I don't think so. I'm not sure about that one. I so, I agree though that people. Yeah. I, I feel like it's one thing to have your own religious beliefs, but to impose them on other people, mm-hmm. don't do that. Yes, yes, and I feel like as black people, black women in general. Um, or specifically, I should say we are taught to be strong and we are, I mean, we are, we are the strongest, uh, like mm-hmm. we, that's, that's who we is, but as a detriment though, it has taught us that we shouldn't feel our feelings and that we should, or don't feel your feelings or else you're going to be the emotional, angry black woman, or like, don't do those things. And so I think Prior to, I I do think it's getting better, but I do think the black experience is to just hold it in and be strong. Like, how could you not be strong? Your ancestors were as strong as it gets. So like, who are you to be whining over this? But but that's, that's another thing too. That's so crazy when people say stuff like, oh, generations that have passed, they've gone through so much more, but it's like, do you not think that some of that trauma is not passed down through our lineage. Mm-hmm. Like there are scientific mm-hmm. studies that show that trauma can be passed along in DNA and genetics. So it's like, yes. why not unleash that and break that cycle by, like you said before, embracing grief, understanding that this is something that is a cycle. I am going to go through mm-hmm. these different phases as opposed to trying to stick to only accepting it and just being like, I have yep. to move past this 
there can't be anything else. Um, I know even too, I've heard stories from like friends and other family members. I feel like I hate too when I hear people say stuff about somebody that passed that might have not been the nicest person or might have been abusive mm-hmm. in different ways. They're like, oh, they're they're passed on to the other side, or you have to eventually forgive them. Like they're not here no, to don't. defend themselves. And it's like, no, people Mm-mm. still have a right to be upset with somebody who impacted their life negatively, regardless yes. of how the person passed or what has happened. Like mm-hmm. they have to grieve on their own terms, essentially. Mm-hmm. Totally. And that's totally, something that totally. black people we have we have such a difficult time with and I don't know why because you would think like black people are so expressive we're so knowledgeable about things that I feel like aren't even taught but are like Mm -hmm. innately within us so Mm -hmm. when we go about certain ways I'm like why are we denying who we truly are I mean I have like so many theories on this right like I have I have um I jokingly, so where I work, I was one of the only black people, but now we have several other black women. And we just, we were interviewing a, um, a black woman who's taking a director role. Um, and she, so she's having this group interview and she's like, tell me why you like this place. Like, everybody's like, we're like family, blah, 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 blah. Everybody says these things. And I like looked her in the eye and I was like, because every day I show up as myself. I show up authentically as a black woman. I show up authentically as a mom. I show up every day as myself. And not only is it tolerated, it is celebrated. And that's Mm -hmm. why I love it here. And I feel like for our, like for, uh, for our generation, that's expected. I'm not working anywhere where I can't show up. I'm not, I don't mm-hmm. have time. I'm tired. I don't have time to be doing all this code switching anymore. <laughs> like I don't. And I think our parents didn't have that luxury. Right. So like Good they were, true. they were assimilating. So like they were trying to be, um, like to get a seat at the table, they were trying to be quieter. Right. And mm-hmm. so like, they were trying to be, they were trying to just n- not like, not like, bury themselves, but almost assimilate. Like, don't, don't, Mm -hmm. don't show them. Don't be the one in the room who's making a fuss. Mm -hmm. And so I think that layered on top of, I also think there is something to be said about like baby boomers, like the children of the people who came from the great depression. And so like, I think they're also (laughs) carrying, there's so many layers there. Like their parents were during the great depression. So obviously they're bringing up kids who should be strong, like but that's All a these great things. that's a great point because I've even noticed like within my grandmother's generation, like one thing my grandmother has also always said to me in terms of grief and people passing away is like she doesn't feel comfortable asking somebody how somebody else passed. Mm-hmm. And she's always said, like, not so much of a place of being like, I don't need to know, but she's like, oh, if somebody wants to tell me, I'll let them do that on their own time. Because I have been places where a lot of people are like, oh, well, how did this person pass? Like, mm-hmm. if people are not ready to share that information and be as open, like, you should let them do that. They should be yes. able to tell you as they see fit. Because some yes. people aren't comfortable sharing with different things about their family mm-hmm. members. And with Black people, too, we're we're very keen on legacies. If somebody mm-hmm. left with whatever perceived notion of their life, that's what a lot of people want to keep. Yep. I agree. I totally agree. There, it's, it's interesting for sure, but I definitely am happy, like you said, that our generation has been more outspoken mm-hmm. about like, okay, there's something got to give. I mm-hmm. am a human being. I could not deserve to live a full life. (laughs) I deserve to live a full life. And even then, I don't want to impose these same traumas on my children. If I Mm -hmm. can have enough self-awareness to know, like, there are certain things that I am doing that is not healthy. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see that in my child because that is easily like I can easily break the cycle and stop it from happening. Mm -hmm. And I know even with my mom, now that I've gotten older, me and my mom are really close, but I feel like even as I've gotten older, I've gotten more vulnerable with her and talking about things. Cause my mom Mm -hmm. was like, Oh my gosh. Like when your dad passed, I was so sad. Like not even so much because of the relationship that we have, but just for you. Cause she was like, Mm -hmm. I always felt like 
I didn't have a good relationship with my father. Therefore, you were establishing that. So to see that loss, I just didn't want that for you. Um, Mm -hmm. But my mom, her dad had passed when she was in her mid-20s and they didn't have the best relationship but Mm -hmm. even that was something that came back up for her with my dad's passing like acknowledging that grief and kind of seeing those similarities in me but I'm happy that we're both in a space where we can talk about this and reflect and my mom Mm -hmm. is not like I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. She's very like <laughs> yeah, open, and, like checking in with me. Um, even my grandmother, like, I guess just being an adult and even establishing myself and my own boundaries and telling my family, like, yeah, I go to therapy. They're like, oh my gosh, that is so good. Like good. you really are taking care of yourself and yourself. Seeing, yeah. And, and really trying to acknowledge again, these past generational traumas or these experiences that mm-hmm. you've had that have been a little bit more negative. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one thing I was going to ask as we yeah. wrap up this portion of the conversation, but do you have any recommendations for books, television shows or movies like for somebody that's currently dealing with grief? I don't, I do not have any, um, books. Mm -hmm. You can listen to our podcast, the green mom. Yes. But no, I don't have any books. Like I just have things to do. Like I just have like, go get a therapist. Like Mm -hmm. don't like, do not wait until truly. I think everybody should have a therapist. I spoke, we spoke with a therapist on our podcast once that was like, the problem is people wait until they're in trauma to get a therapist. And that's actually not the time you should get a therapist. Like you should get a therapist before that. Like everybody should have a therapist that way. When you get to trauma, your therapist knows you so well, cause we're all going to experience some kind of trauma that's life, but your therapist knows you so well and can help you cope with that. Um, so if you are actively in a grief journey right now, get a therapist also feel your feels, feel them, honor them. Whenever those grief waves, waves hit, I, just sit in them. They're not going to last forever. Waves don't last forever. Hurricanes don't last forever. So I just Mm -hmm. sit in them and I just, it doesn't matter how uncomfortable I feel. Mm -hmm. I, I have, I take those moments for myself. I let my husband know, like you got the kids until I don't know when, like, I just gotta, like, I just need to get myself through this wave. And he's like, Mm -hmm. I got you. Like, we've got like a look between each other now, basically. He's like, I got you. Even that, Make sure that you are surrounding yourself with people Mm -hmm. that support you and that Mm -hmm. know you and know, okay, I need to check in on her or Mm -hmm. I need to give her some space. Like I know, for instance, even a while back, I had a friend who had a loss in her family and her, her family are really close, but I know she's somebody who likes her private time and so forth. Mm -hmm. So I kept thinking like, how can I offer her support? And I just reached out to her and I was like, Hey, I know you're going to be with your family. I know you always spending time together, but if you need to like escape or you just want some alone time, you can always come to my apartment. I won't be here during the week, like during the day Mm -hmm, that you mm want to come. But like, if you just want to be alone and she actually was like, thank you. Like I just needed as much as I love them. I just needed that time to be Mm -hmm. to myself. And I knew Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't get that at home, but offering support and supporting people the ways that they need it, not the way that you see. Yes. Yes. The way that they need it, not the way that you think they actually need it. And Mm -hmm. then like my last, like advice, or I guess like piece of thing is to, to take care of yourself and whatever that means for you. And so it was like, I was saying earlier that I know that I have to attack my mental health on three fronts. Like I have to go to therapy the frequency depends on whatever's going on in my life. Like when I have a lot of things going on, I go once a week. When I don't, I go once a month. Like it's just whatever the frequency, Mm -hmm. I will never not see a therapist. I don't think I'll ever not be on meds and that's fine by me. Like I'm Mm -hmm. whatever it takes to like live my fullest life. I don't care. And then I have to, I'm a person who has to just have movement in their life. Like I have to either like get on my Peloton bike that's behind me. That's dust. That's actually dusty right now because I have been like doing the walking desk situation at work. So I've just been walking all day. Um, but I, I, those are the things that that I have to do to, to make myself feel whole. And so 
whatever those self-care things are, understand that self-care is not selfish and purposefully carve those things out for yourself. And I also, I think it's, it's harder. It, it was harder for me actually to carve out self-care for myself before I had children. Mm. And it's easier now because I recognize that to be my best mom, I have to do it. Like, it's like a, I have to carve out time for myself so that when I show up back for my kids, I am showing up as like a full mom who is here and loving and listening to them. And so, yeah, just carve out some self-care, do the things that make you, you. And and all of those things are very achievable and doable. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, just put, put pen to paper, do what you have to do. Acknowledge Mm -hmm. when the ways you're coping are unhealthy as well. Learn when you are suppressing your emotions. I mean, I even went through that for a period of time of like, trying to suppress and then eventually you blow up and it's not yes, pretty it never works it never works feel it's, your feels it's not pretty at all so do what you can like it's so much and two there are so many things going on in the world and so many other stressors that we have to deal with so truth yes take care of yourself put your best foot forward and again like we said with grief this is still a cycle you will move through it throughout your life acknowledge Mm -hmm. every part of it Mm -hmm. on your journey but you guys moving into the last segment of the show we have you are drove so for all my nine st louisans um drove is just terminology when you thought something was going to work out in your favor and it does not so i don't have any hard hitting news for this week's segment but I did see this TikTok and it is so like kind of gory when you think about it. Okay. Something out of a horror scene. But basically this woman was basically sharing online how she had forgotten um, to take out her contact lenses. And she did not leave one or two but 23 different contact lenses inside of her eyes. I don't but know how. I don't know why she thought, you know, they dissolve or they go somewhere else other than her eyeball, but she literally just kept putting them in. Um, the footage, like, I think it went viral online because even the woman was trying to act shocked with like her diagnosis of the doctors being like, you can you can almost lose your eyesight because you're going to get an infection from not taking out these contacts and again how could she see how could she see I feel like if you just keep putting contact like it would how could you see that would have to be uncomfortable so what she said is that she she had put them in but then she slept with them as well so they had moved Mm -hmm. to the point where they were somewhere like in her eye socket so she could feel them but she I don't again I I don't have any logic for any of this but it just moved to the back of her eye socket luckily doctors were able to go in and remove them um she did have an infection where it developed but luckily her eyesight is still intact nothing like she's not blind or anything like that but it's still just like why like this to me I don't know I don't know if you remember this but do you remember the woman who used gorilla glue yes that's what is giving me (laughs) it is giving it is giving gorilla glue I because I don't like part of a of all my eye I have so I wear um the daily contacts because I can't sleep in them like one Mm -hmm. sleep in my contacts and my eyes are like completely effed up my husband however is a person who can and does sleep in his contacts and wear them for a month a month he only changes his contacts every other month or every month it blows my mind so but I have to believe that if my husband woke up one day and couldn't find his contact and could feel it somewhere else, he wouldn't just be like, let me plop another one in here. He would be like, mm, I need to go have that checked out. And I'm a person too, like, I don't wear glasses. I, I haven't had to get contacts, but even getting eye exams kind of freak me out because your eyes are so sensitive. Like, yes, 
even when they tell you like, okay, put your chin up here and we're going to do the thing. I'm always like, (laughs) oh my gosh, like I am literally dreading this. I'm going to have some sort of anxiety attack. So again, there is, everybody hates that. Yeah. There's no logic to why this woman again is giving gorilla glue. Like you knew this would not end well for anybody. I'm sure. No. I'm sure our hospital bill was very, very, very high. It had to be. So that's why I'm like, what were you? Yeah, she, it's giving probably needs a little bit of attention. I, it's it's weird. It's even then, like literally the doctor who worked on her said um, she must have earned a Guinness World Record for patients, like with the most contact stuck in her eye. So that's how you know it was a lot. I'm going to look this up when we get off because now it I'm like, is I gotta know. crazy. I, again, I am always interested in like those odd, bizarre news stories, but mm-hmm. I really don't think that she saw this turning out well. <laughs> she couldn't contact, have. Contacts are expensive. Glasses are that expensive. Too. That too. So for her to just be plopping them in, just doing it over and over again. Oh, oh my gosh. This woman, I, she probably hates herself. I don't, I don't know why. I'm she sure she do does. That. And I'm sure. Why, why did she that. tell people she, she went on TikTok herself or the doctor did? I believe it was the, oh no, it was actually on Instagram. So the I Associates page, like I guess it was a page run that to share the information. And you know how a lot of times on Instagram with doctors, they'll talk about procedures or patients Mm -hmm. that are like very different or procedures that they've never thought they've had to do before. Mm -hmm. And this made it. And I can see why, because I can see, I can see somebody going into an eye doctor what is it? An, is it an ophthalmologist? Optometrist? Optometrist. Like I can see them going in and explaining this to them and them being like, excuse me? I'm like, let's just take a look. See, just sit here. Let's put your chin here. Let me see what you got in there. Oh Lord. Oh my God. And then like, ugh, again, I hate mm-hmm. stuff by my eye. I am not a person who's like gonna just be. Ugh. So just to think about that woman doing that. And I'm sure- I'm sure somebody in her family probably forced her to go. Somebody was probably like, enough is enough. At some point she was embarrassed. Yeah. Somebody was like, enough is enough. But you guys, <laughs> that is it for this week's episode. It has been great having Rashida. Um, as always, you guys support my guests. Rashida, tell them how often you all drop episodes or any upcoming guests that you may have. Yes. Yeah. So we um, just wrapped up season one, which was like the longest season ever. It was 30 episodes. Uh, So we are taking a little bit of a break and coming back with season two in the new year. And then um, from then you can, we drop episodes every other Wednesday. So two a month, but you can always find us on our, on Instagram at the grieving mamas club. Um, You can find like uh, grievingmamasclub.com. You can listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcast um or you can always find me at rashida.dinehart on instagram as well yes and you guys i'll make sure to include all of the links to the grieving moms podcast in the description for this episode but that's it you guys bye Thanks for listening to Annoyed Not Offended with See It. Have a question or interested in sharing an annoyance of your own to be read on the show? Email annoyednotoffended at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Annoyed Not Offended for more hilarious content and updates on the show. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, bye.